Uh, how do you feel about the new year coming back? Uh, another new year, another Christmas period? Uh, some of you may be very excited at the prospect. Uh, what does the future hold? Can't wait for all these things and new plans I have uh, in implementing in the new year. My wife always tells me that I get really excited to try new things about this time. Um, doesn't really last very long. Uh, f- from about March, I'm just scrambling through to get by and, and wait for the, another new year to come. On the other hand, some of you may be dreading it uh, with worries. Uh, what does the future hold? Uh, can I really face it? And many of us are falling somewhere uh, between that spectrum of eager expectation on the one hand and dreadful uh, worries on the other. It is right to consider what lies ahead uh, for each of our individual lives, but today, instead of simply thinking about my own future, I want us to think about our future as church. Does the church have a future? Most Australians do not think so. Speak to any average person out on the streets about the future of Australia. Uh, He may speak a lot about the need for better government, new policies dealing with the um, new challenges that are coming up in our way, like global warming or immigration laws or whatever that's on their mind. But my guess is Jesus Christ and his church will not feature very much, if at all, uh, in their future planning and in their thinking about 2019. Uh, that will be reflected very much over this Christmas period and New Year's, New Year's time. Tune in and listen to any news channel on TV or the internet uh, as they report about what lies ahead for 2019, how you can plan for your best year ever next year. Uh, there will be lots of analysis about property market, what's a, what's a good investment to make, uh, the changing landscape in your employment sectors, But Jesus Christ and his church will be absent from the list. The TED talks, uh, whose mission is ideas worth spreading for a better future, my guess is most likely they won't spend too much time about the church. While the church is safely ignored in the West, on the other side of the world, church faces a different sort of threat against its future. Last week, the New York Times reported that the Chinese pastor Wang Yi and his wife face up to 15 years in prison after being charged with inciting to subvert the state power. Since the first report came out on the 13th of December, uh, we now know that Wang Yi, the pastor of the Early Rain Covenant Church in Chengdu, has been detained along with 100 other congregation members and the church they used to meet is now sealed off by the authorities. Uh, Chinese government is making clear that the churches which does not bow their knees to the state power uh, will not be tolerated. You won't have a future in our land unless you bow your knees to the state. Uh, Frederick Vollmann, a professor of the University of Gothenburg in Sweden, is an expert on Chinese Christianity and says, uh, we've had crackdowns before, but not on this scale or with this brutality. They, he he means, the Chinese Communist Party, want to show who is in control. And you cannot do what you want. 
So what is the future of church in China? What is the future of the church in our own land? Does the church have a future? We're not the first person to ask this question, however. As we turn to the book of Revelation again, we are reminded that the early Christians who first received this visionary letter from John would have asked the same question. They were hated on all fronts. The early Christians were not tolerated from any established groups in their world. The Jews hated them for blasphemy and defiling their religion. They were laughed at by the Greeks for preaching the resurrection of Christ. That's, that's kind of the mockery and scorn we'll receive from some of our friends. Christmas, we're going to talk about how God came into the world in human flesh. How absurd is that? They were hated by the local authorities for being extremists. Romans, uh, they were happy with pluralism. They were happy with all kinds of religions, but not Christianity because it was extreme. It was preaching gospel of repentance and forgiveness of sins. Uh, or else facing eternal judgment when Jesus comes back. Church history tells us that all the apostles were killed in the first uh, generation also after Jesus' resurrection, except the apostle John, who wrote this visionary letter for us, who was sent off in a remote island in exile on his own. Uh, Can you imagine the first century church uh, having a, uh, whatchamacallit, parish council meeting for planning the church future. Uh, Who's leading us next year now that our pastor and all our leaders are killed? Hey, where are we meeting next week? Uh, Since the Jews have burnt up our meeting space. Uh, Romans are leaving more and more sick children to die on the streets. Uh, What are we going to do about it? Presumably, someone had to step up, trusting in God's power. Someone had to open their own house, sell their property, take on more responsibility. Uh, It puts my uh, stressful ministry planning into perspective. How did the church envision future in such world? Uh, John wrote to churches like that. And as he has done so far in the book of Revelation, instead of giving a didactic answer to the question, he shows us a vision. And we need to see this vision today to be reminded of what our future is and who we are as a church. The vision of the church under God's sovereign protection, vision of the church sharing in the affliction of Christ and also with it, the vindication of Christ. Uh, have a look at uh, from verse 1 again. The end of chapter 10 depicted John eating a scroll, uh, just as the prophet Ezekiel. You'll see a lot of imagery there. One of the reasons why book of Revelation, many of us find it difficult, is because we're not familiar with Old Testament. You'll notice just even in few verses in chapter 11, there's Old Testament everywhere. One of the analogies that I used uh, with my congregation when I looked at book of Revelation is that there's a lot of pictures in book of Revelation and he does not paint with colors like red and blue. He, he, he paints with Ezekiel. He, he paints with Daniel. He paints with Zechariah. So w- when you have those books in mind, you see it clearly. But when you're ignorant and not reading the Old Testament, it looks like just a, a, no picture at all. 
remember how uh, prophet Ezekiel, he saw a great new temple in Ezekiel chapter 40 to 48, and he measured the new temple, a perfect temple signifying God's presence and new life. Uh, John does the same thing here in verses 1 to 2. Then I was given a measuring rod like a staff, and I was told, rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there, but do not measure the court outside the temple. Leave that out, for it is given over to the nations, and they'll trample the holy city for 42 months. Now, what is the significance of measurement? Well, what do you measure? Uh, In the Old Testament, measure the things like the altar, Uh, the table, the lampstand, the Ark of the Covenant, and so on, they are holy properties set apart for God. Measured space marks off the boundary between the clean and the unclean, holy and the profane. And measured people, in other words, counted people, and where have we seen that before? In chapter 7, the 144,000. Measured people are marked and sealed off from the rest, saying they belong to God. That's the kind of picture that's going on here. The temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there are marked out, set apart for God. They belong to God, whereas the court outside the temple is left out. Uh, What is the temple and who are the temple inside worshipping there? Um, Bringing the whole knowledge of the uh, Bible into account. They are the church of Christ. Remember, uh, Apostle Paul says to the believers in Corinth, you are the temple of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. The Bible's theology of temple is not about a building so much as it is about God being with his people. The early chapters of Genesis present the Garden of Eden, a a kind of a, a prefigurement of temple in which God walks with humans and have fellowship with them. But after a man and women are driven away from Eden, the tabernacle and the temple are built so that God can dwell among his people. The tabernacle and temple recapture the Eden experience, pointing back to humanity, saying that's what we are made for. And also they were pointing forward to a time when God would come and dwell amongst them as he did back in the garden. And that is exactly what we celebrate in Christmas and what Jesus does when he comes to the world. And when Jesus comes, he fulfills and replaces the temple. So in Matthew chapter 12, 6, he says, one greater than temple is here. As God, he once again walks among men. Then Jesus fulfills the sacrificial system through his death on the cross, And he pours out his spirit on the church with new life. And so God dwells with his church by his spirit out of all the world. I mean, all the world belongs to God, but it's the church on which God sends his spirit and dwells among us even at this hour. That's what we were reminded when we looked at Revelation chapter 23. So the picture in Revelation 11 is God measuring his church. God knows exactly where all his people are. He is marking them out so that he can protect them. None of God's people will be overlooked. None of Christ's church will be forgotten. God says, you belong to me. He has stretched out measuring line over you and say, you are mine. 
Here is the future of the church. Protection by the measuring rod of God. Unlike the outside the temple, uh, which will be trampled, uh, imagery of being conquered and ruled by the nations and their rulers, the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there will be set apart for God. If you are known by God, and who is God? The Alpha and the Omega, everlasting to everlasting. If you are known by him, if he has measured you with the rod of Christ, you are safe. However, God's protection does not mean that the church will not suffer in this world. God's protection does not mean you will escape from the world. That's consistent throughout the Bible, isn't it? David does not say, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, for he does not allow me to go through the valley of death. No, David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Even if I walk through the valley of death, he is with me. And that much has been clear throughout the book of Revelation also. John called Christians as partners, that's a word for fellowshippers, partners in the tribulation and the kingdom and patient endurance that is in Christ Jesus uh, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 9. The future of the church, the hope of the church, is not that we will never be persecuted by the forces that rebel against God, but that even through the most complete trampling of the world, even if they thought they would have killed us off and driven us out from the land, the church will resurrect even from the dead. And that is what we see in verses 3 to 14. Verse 3 says, I'll grant authority to my two witnesses and they'll prophesy for 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. why 1,260 days? Uh, it's the same as 42 months there, uh, you know, 30 days a month roughly, times by 42 months, that equals to 1,260 days. Um, and John uses the same time reference to the prophet Daniel. Uh, we read in Daniel chapter 9, uh, who envisions the uh, an intense time of suffering of God's people for three and a half period before the coming of God's kingdom. Uh, you'll have to look at Daniel 9 in a bit of a detail. He's got that 70 weeks scheme, which corresponds with Jeremiah's prophesy about 70 years in exile, 70 times 70, 409 years, but he's got the first seven years and 62 weeks. Final week, it's seven, but he divides in half, three and a half. That, that's where the three and a half comes from, and it comes out a lot in, in Daniel chapter 12 as well as in book of Revelation. And you, you'll see it going forward also. Uh, Three and a half is a broken week, uh, meaning it's a symbol of incomplete time of destruction or a judgment before it reaches full maturity. Uh, Jesus goes to the grave for three days. The death cannot hold him for complete week. The midweek resurrection points to the pattern of history as a whole. The church, the body of Christ, will also prophesy under God's protection, yet it will be met by intense persecution. The wicked will prevail over the church, but not completely. It will only be for three and a half. The two witnesses are given authority to prophesy. Who are the two witnesses? Verse 4 explains it. Verse 4 says, uh, these are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. Then you get to ask, uh, who are the two olive trees and the two lampstands? 
which gets us to remember another Old Testament prophet, uh, Zechariah. In Zechariah chapter 4, the two olive trees stand beside one lampstand. In Zechariah chapter 2, uh, verse 23, feeding it oil. The olive trees are identified as two sons of oil, uh, and they are uh, anointed with spirit to empower God's people to rebuild the temple. You remember the context of Zechariah? They have finally come back from the uh, Babylonian exile. They don't have any leader, but God assures people that God will give his spirit upon two sons of oil, that is Joshua the high priest and Zerubbabel the governor, and they will unite the people and rebuild the temple. And that famous verse in Zechariah 4.6, not by might, nor by power, but by spirit, says the Lord of hosts. The lampstand was a symbol of God's presence among his people. And in the book of Revelation, it symbolizes the church, as we looked again uh, in chapters 2 and 3. So verse 4 then is a picture of church empowered by God to bear his witness to the world. And again, church's ministry is patterned after Old Testament prophets. Think about who this verse reminds you of as I read it again. Verse 5 says, And if anyone would harm them, fire pours from their mouth and consumes their foes. If anyone would harm them, this is how he is doomed to be killed. Recalling the way God shielded the prophet Elijah from the wicked king Ahab with fire from heaven. Remember that. At Revelation uh, verse 6 adds another Elijah-like element to the church's witness. They have the power to shut the sky that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying. Remember uh, how Elijah called for a drought during the day of the wicked king, Ahab, again. Uh, Interestingly, James 5 verse 17 says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently that it might not rain and for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. It's got that three and a half period, that, that time of judgment uh, used again. The drought, which God sent in response to Elijah's prayer, demonstrated God's sovereignty and superiority over the false gods that Ahab trusted. So putting it together, church is to be a prophetic witness to the world. I don't know if you have ever thought of us like that. We are to be prophets to the world, calling the world to be accountable before God, reminding the world that King Ahab and Baal do not run the world. Property market does not run the world. Capitalism does not run the world. It's the Lord who governs all things, and the Lord has a set a day on which by a man risen from the dead will judge the world. And the Lord calls upon the world to turn to him in repentance and in faith. That's what church is called to do. Praying that God's will be done, that his kingdom come. Praying that God's name be hallowed among the nations that defile God's name. Praying that the name of Jesus Christ will be exalted above all names. The second part of 11 uh, verse 6 brings brings the ministry of another prophet, and that is the great prophet Moses. Uh, uh, Listen to what he says again. They have power over the waters to turn them into blood. Remember the Exodus? To strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they desire. There's a lot of Exodus allusion in the book of Revelation. The turning of the waters to blood and the visitation of the plagues on Egypt demonstrated God's greatness. 
and brought Pharaoh, the self-proclaimed God, to his knees. Through the judgment of the plague, God brought Israel out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And what does that teach us about church and church's ministry? Well, like Moses, we, church, not because we are great in our own inerrant power, but church has the power necessary to liberate people from bondage, to enable people to experience new exodus. Have you ever thought of a church like that? We have power to raise people from the dead through the empowering of the Holy Spirit, of course. But that's the power that's been given to us. Church cannot be silent, no matter how much they want to shut us up. That's why the Chinese church, Pastor Wang Yi and his congregation, we will not shut up. We we will be obedient to you because you're the earthly ruler God has put in place for the time being. But we must confess Jesus Christ. Uh, when we put all the imagery of verses 3 to 6 together, the church is empowered by the Spirit, protected by the Father, and given authority to liberate people from the bondage of sin through the preaching of the Son, Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, do we know this power? Is this our experience of what it means to be church of Christ? This is what makes church, us, have a future. This is what makes us have power, not money, not political influence. I know there are a lot of influential and powerful people among us here, but it's not that. Not church budget, not fancy marketing, not anything that relies on human self-sufficiency, but upon the power of God, the authority of the gospel is given to us. As we think about our future ministry plan, where does our confidence and hope lie? Well, it lies in the empowering of the Spirit, protection of the Father, and authority of the Gospel, isn't it? And because of that, no matter what may come our way, we can be confident. We can be convicted. Yet the church must enter its glory through the suffering of the cross as her master and Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what verses 7 to 10 pictures. It pictures a time period of, again, three and a half days when the church will be severely persecuted, mocked and scorned and laughed at. The two witnesses, you know the witnesses, um, in Greek, they, it literally means martyr uh, from the verb matureo. The two witnesses are literally martyred. Verse 9, for three and a half days, some from the peoples and tribes and languages and nations will gaze at their dead bodies and refuse to let them be placed in a tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and exchange presents because these two prophets had been a torment to those who dwell on the earth. Church Church that bears to the one true God and King is always a stench to pretenders who are in rebellion against God. Um, I spoke about Pastor Wang Yi and, and the, the, the charge for which he has, he has been convicted is inciting to subvert state power. That's what 
authoritarian uh, regimes like China and the former Soviet Union is scared of. They don't want anything, any religion that wants to subvert that state has the, the, the unexcusable, unchallengeable authority. And you know what? <clears throat> that is true. Not that Pastor Wang Yi and his congregation are seeking to unlawfully disturb the peace of the nation. By no means. They have declared saying that's not what they're doing and they are willing to submit to the authorities even when they persecute them. But the subversive power of Christianity is real because the gospel of Jesus the Christ proclaims that there is no other God other than the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ rules and reigns supremely above all authorities and powers. He is the whom everyone must worship, including the Chinese Communist Party. He is the one who will judge the living and the dead. The gospel of repentance and faith inevitably clashes with every empire or ruler or even individual who want to run their own life their way. To everyone who wants to say, I want to run my own life, this is my life, talk to my hands, and I don't want to hear about judgment, morality, standard, well, it's, it's a stench. You would hate gospel. You would hate the church. It's a stench to them, and that's why church has always suffered persecution and opposition from the moment of its conception. From the Roman Empire to Marxist Russian Revolution, secular European Enlightenment to Chinese Communism, secular powers will always wield its sword against the church that preaches that Jesus is the Christ. But the reason Lord Jesus declares, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And look at verse 11. But after the three and a half days, a breath of life from God entered them, and they stood up on their feet, and great fear fell on those who saw them. God vindicates his church and judges her persecutors. The church is vindicated with Christ and rules the everlasting kingdom of God with Christ. That is our future, your, your future, if you belong to Christ Jesus. Meditate upon that a little bit, about your future. Have a big dream for future. What God has in store for our future is that you and I become rulers of the kingdom of God for everlasting to everlasting. Uh, I'm often used to saying to uh, the young workers in the afternoon congregation, and we we always talk about how um, don't be driven by ambition. But Revelation changed my tack a little bit, and I've been saying to people, have a bigger ambition. Don't swap your calling to be rulers of the kingdom of God for eternity to be a marketing director in Australia for five years before you get run by a new guy who comes and takes your position. Don't swap being prince of Jesus Christ and his kingdom for being a CEO here on this earth. Which, which will be overtaken by whatever new empire or new CEO that comes our way. But look at the glorious future Jesus has for us, has for the church from verse 15 again. 
Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Twenty-four elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give you thanks, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raised, but your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged, for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Jesus, the rightful ruler and heir of all creation and new creation, will reign. Jesus is already seated at God's right hand in heaven. Yet, today, we cannot see it except by faith. However, when the seventh trumpet blows and Jesus returns in full glory, you will see it. And you will not only see it, he will invite you to come and take a seat with him. On that day, all who oppose him and his church will bear the wrath of Christ. The Chinese Communist Party that raised against Christ will stand before him. The Soviet Union regime that killed nearly 50 million people, destroyed more than 45,000 churches to drive out Christianity from the land, on that day, they will answer before the King of Kings for how they have used their power. The future of all pretend empires and also individuals is destruction at the feet of the one and only creator and ruler. However, the future is a great time of anticipation and celebration for the church because Christ loves his bride. Because Christ is the bridegroom who laid down his life for his bride and who is coming back to take his bride for eternal banquet of marriage festivity. He knows his church, he has measured it, he protects it, and he will vindicate and reward his people, both small and great. Pastor Wang Yi and his witness to Christ, on that day, it will be glorious. And all who feed and love the name of Jesus Christ will be rewarded. So, does the church have a future? Revelation tells us that church not only has a future, church is the future. Kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ. But at present, the way church will enter into its future glory is by partaking in the tribulation of her Lord Jesus Christ. Right now, many Christians and churches around the world are persecuted. It's not just China. But the present struggle is not a sign of church's defeat. Rather, it is a momentary pain before the everlasting glory. For those who have known the power of God in the death and resurrection of Jesus, or do not despair <clears throat> in the face of suffering, rather rejoice, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character hope. 
That's great, isn't it? Uh, when we pray for those uh, in prison for their faith, we remember that the gospel came to us in letters written from jail. Look at how many letters in the New Testament are sent to us from jail. Book of Revelation came to us from Patmos in exile. It reminds us of our past, where we come from. Now, what Pastor Wang is going through is not strange to the Church of Christ. Now, when we plead for those whose churches are burnt in Egypt, we remember that our hope isn't in building religious empires here, but in a new Jerusalem, everlasting temple of God. When we weep for those who are literally crucified in the Middle East, we are reminded that the Lord that we follow isn't a life coach. He's not a guru who's helping us to have a convenient life on our earth. No, we follow a crucified Messiah. Church's present suffering reminds us of the gospel we signed up for in the first place, frees us from our fat, affluent, almost the gospels of the Western civilization, which could never save in the first place. And it also reminds us that the persecuted Christians for whom we pray and advocate may very well may be those who will send missionaries to carry the gospel to a future post-Christian Europe and Australia. I really think one day China will be sending missionaries to Australia. That's how it always worked, didn't it? And when I look at Pastor Wang Yi and his congregation, I see hope. I'm not downplaying their suffering. However, a powerless group of people in China, a small group of Christians, yet they have a courage to stand up against the authorities and say, no, Jesus is Lord. When you see that, you see the truth of gospel. You see the grace of gospel. You see that Jesus is building his church and gates of hell shall not prevail it. Satan may trample over the church for three and a half days, but it will be defeated with the sound of the seventh trumpet and appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. The real challenge for the church's future is not with Christians who are facing jail sentences, but rather Christians who are accommodating to the spirit of age. The, the real challenge is, I think, with us, the Western civilization. Churches whose future are in danger is not the ones in jail, but ones who have stopped witnessing the gospel of repentance and faith to the world because we are afraid of the world because we are so busy feeding into the world, because we are so busy keeping up with the world's standard of living and wealth. We not only stop witnessing the gospel when we stop running evangelistic courses. That, that's one way of stop doing evangelism. But we stop witnessing the gospel when churches cease to bear one another's burden with the love of Christ. When churches stop caring for the weak, poor, and the vulnerable when church is no longer pure in sexual morality, when church is just as greedy, comfort-seeking as the world, when church is just as suffering-averse to our world who is living for this world only, when church has the same bucket list 
As the world's bucket list, we have stopped witnessing to the gospel because we are saying to the world, we do not live for the kingdom of Christ, but we are living for the kingdom of the world. That is worse than going to jail. Ones who compromise may avoid jail. You know, the prophet Daniel's cohorts, those who pray to the king's statues, they never saw the inside of lion's cave because they caved before going into the cave. Pontius Pilate lived to a relatively ripe old age, untroubled by the sort of state harassment that did away the apostles. Judas Iscariot was never arrested for anything, collaborating as he did with the state to carry out his dark schemes. Those who fell away from the early church escaped the Colosseum with their lives. All it cost them with a pinch of incense, a momentary mumbling of, Caesar is Lord. But with it, sadly, tragically, they lost their souls. God's people may be killed for the gospel as the two witnesses were uh, in verse 7. And for a time, they may be mocked and scorned. The two witnesses are not immediately vindicated in verses 8 to 10. Who knows? It's not literal three and a half years. So the time of trampling in, in China or time of ignorance and scorns and mockery in Australia. Who knows how long that will be? Yet the time of dishonor will be short. In the big scheme of God's plan, God's people will be vindicated, raised from the dead, invited to join Christ and God in heaven. His kingdom will come, his will be done. God will protect us from every danger, so let us witness Christ and his gospel till our dying breath, that we rise up with Christ by his new breath of life everlasting. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, that dying and rising from the dead, that he has secured our eternal destiny with him in heaven. And by your Spirit, we are already risen up with him. Thank you, Lord, that we are known by you, loved, and that you promises us that whatever come our way, even through death, you will protect us and your kingdom will not be shaken. And Lord, until the kingdom of Christ and kingdom of God comes in full glory and consummation, Lord, help us to partner in Jesus' tribulation with patient endurance at present. May we be church that witness the gospel with its radical call of denying ourselves, taking up the cross and following him each day. We ask for your empowering of this by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.